Hey everyone, Mark from HackerJob here, bringing you the, the latest episode of the Tech Recruitment Show. Um, so the Tech Recruitment Show is a brand new podcast from HackerJob, featuring some of the sharpest minds in the in-house recruitment community. So throughout this series, we're going to be exploring areas such as candidate experience, diversity and inclusion, sourcing and attraction, and, and loads more topics, um, all around technical recruitment. So at HackerJob, we are super, super passionate um, about all things tech um, and specifically around technical recruitment. Um, we've built an online marketplace that uses the best of humans and technology to match engaged, relevant technical talent with really exciting companies. And throughout this series, not only are we going to be getting insights from some of the leading industry experts, but we'll be sharing some insights that we've built over the last five and a half years as well. And today's guest, I'm very excited about. Uh, he's a really close friend, someone I've known and admired for in the internal world of recruitment for, for a long time now. Um, he did start his uh, recruitment career on the dark side in, in agency world um, before he moved in-house to have leadership roles at some great brands like Capital One, Compare to Market, um, and is currently the global head of tech recruitment at Funding Circle. I'm, of course, talking about Jatinder Bensal. Welcome to the show, Jack. Hi, Mark. Uh, pleasure to be here, of course. And super, super grateful for you taking some time out of your day. Really appreciate it. So, Jack, I think it would be amazing uh, to give the listeners a bit of a background on you. Uh, I, I gave them a bit of a teaser, but, but how did you end up in the world of recruitment? Um, and, and what are you up to today? Yeah, hi, Mark. Um, I guess, um, how did I end up in recruitment? I think that's... Uh, to be honest, I don't think anybody aspires throughout college or uni and thinks I'm going to fall in or, or aspire to, to hit recruitment, right? I think it's one of those things that organically grows as you sort of work. Yeah, so I actually came into it by um, a cousin of mine, actually, who uh, was working at the time for quite a large recruiting firm. And I always was curious as to what, what did he really do? Because it seemed so great, but actually I didn't really have a clue what it looked like. So that's how I sort of grew my curiosity into it and I ended up working at S3 um, and I guess today yes I mean I'm, I'm currently working at Funding Circle leading their, their global tech hiring um, you know it's a very uh, uh, fast-paced uh, sort of organization right and, and uh, I think uh, somehow between 10 years ago when I explored that curiosity of agency recruiting I've ended up here at Funding Circle I think the industry has grown as, as my sort of role has grown right and that's sort of how I'm here today I guess amazing and you know what it's so funny as we as we do this series you know we want to understand the 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 background of people as well as their thoughts and it's amazing how that story is so similar right that mm. you know no one planned to move into the world of recruitment uh, but it just organically happens um and you end up with a with an incredible career that you've had to date um and, and obviously you know we're, we're we're recording this in a in a bit of a crazy time in the world at the moment without using all of the, the, the anecdotes and uh, the, the catchphrases that everyone's chucking out at the moment. You've got a little one at home. Um, how have you found balancing, you know, family responsibilities with suddenly being forced to, to work from home all the time? What, what's that been like? You know, I think it's changed. Uh, you know, I think what we're in now, week maybe nine of lockdown, I, I think the first uh, half of that time, I, I found it quite tough. Yeah, because um, 
you know, she, she, I've got a one-year-old, right? She, she's, she's crazy. And, and I think, you know, that finding that, that balance is, is quite hard. You know, that discipline line between I need to focus on work and I want to play with my, my adorable daughter. And, and those things are quite hard. And I am just generally the sort of person anyway, if you can't tell, I'm, I'm generally an extrovert. So I'm quite, quite boosted by being around people and speaking to people in person, not, not having just one space, right, as work in life. I don't generally like that. So I, it's been hard initially, but actually, as we have entered into what I now believe is the new normal for the, for the short term, um, I, I've found it quite quite good actually and now I've set up my own sort of workspace and I'm quite disciplined now and when I log off and when I'm going to have family time and work time and actually I think that helps with your energy levels and, and your focus yeah absolutely and, and, and talking about family time I I love your Instagram updates I've seen that you've done a bit of an Ironman marathon uh, yes. uh, this week you're, you're a big Ironman fan I'm a massive Ironman fan he is the real uh, the Marvel Elon Musk and I, and I actually think he's the best Marvel character, but I think uh, I'm like many others, you know, I'm sort of uh, streaming crazy right during this time, like Disney, Netflix, Amazon Prime, you name it. I, you know, the only thing I don't have is, I guess, what we all used to call normal TV. <laughs> so, yes, I, I am, I am glued to that at the moment. Amazing, amazing. And, and obviously, uh, at Funding Circle, you lead, you know, a relatively large team of, of technical recruiters. Um, you know, how's it been managing that team? How have you tried to keep the team morale up? Obviously, it's not, you know, particularly easy, especially if you are an extrovert and you kind of bounce off other people. You know, how, how have you managed the team? And, and has this period changed your opinion on remote work? I don't know what it was previously, but are you thinking about, you know, your, your team in the future, you know, whether you would allow more remote work, more work from home? What, what does that dynamic look like? I think with remote working, it's, it's, it's definitely been interesting. I think leading any team during a time like this, I think it's, it's quite challenging for managers and leadership teams. And I think it's also quite challenging for um, the actual team members themselves to feel um, like that they're doing the right job, right? While they're sort of dispersed like this, where they don't actually see the, you know, the nuances of being in the office, the nods, the, the social cues, right? To, to make people feel like they're doing the right thing and going in the right direction. So I, I think it's hard. I, I think the, um, you know, I think every, you know, I won't claim to be one of the uh, COVID um, sort of remote working experts that there are many of at the moment, right? I, I think I, I can openly say I'm learning as well. I think most, most leadership teams are learning during this time. Um, but definitely um, as many FaceTimes as possible as opposed to um, Slacks and emails, right? I think that's really important. And I think it's nice to break up and, uh, uh, the sort of conversations into not just work and delivery and, and, and sort of um, work-related stuff. Right? I think it's nice to be a bit personal during this time and, and really understand how people are generally doing uh, during these times, right? Like, what is their what is their setup at home? What, are they doing okay with it, you know well being? Are they doing enough exercises? Are their energy feeling good? I think that side of management has become really, really exposed and really important for for a lot of people to focus on. Um, so, so I've I've been doing a lot of that. I think uh, my view on remote working has changed definitely. You know, I, I've always had a view of remote working as a uh, you know you know an, an option that hiring teams use if it suits the company and if it suits the general hiring plan, right? Or the strategy. So, you know, I, I think now it's changed to become more of, okay, is, this could be a whole new world that, that lots of people explore. You know, companies can save money on lease, lease holds and uh, people can have a better commute and, and it's better for the environment and it's more, more time at home and yourself and your health and stuff like that. I think, um, I think that will happen. You know, we're seeing some of the big tech giants. Um, I think it was, you know, Twitter was the first to say, 
we're done. You, you can all work remote uh, permanently. Amazon, I think, or Google and, or Facebook, and have just said we're going to extend it to 2021. So I think we're already starting to see that change and all these things obviously will change all of our views on remote working. As to how far companies will, will take that, I think will, will be, a, will be a, a different story. Yeah, and I, you know, tying that into the world of recruitment, you know, remote work has been the, the future of work for the last 10 years, right? Uh, every Deloitte report you ever read was, you know, remote work, remote work. And obviously this crisis has seemed to accelerate that shift. I, I agree with you, right? It's definitely changed my opinion as well. Um, I think what people need to bear in mind, though, and I think you touched on it with the extrovert piece, is that some people do really enjoy being in an office environment, you know, getting that buzz around other people, etc. So mm-hmm. I think we, we might see more of a hub and spoke model, you know, where people have got the, the office so you can go and work from if you want and probably a smaller office than what people have had before, but also way more open to, to work from home. And, and I guess from, from our tech recruitment lens... It would be nice, I imagine, when you've got, you know, you're hiring for closure engineers or whatever, and you're suddenly not limited to only recruiting people in London, you can maybe recruit people across Europe or, or across the world. How, how do you think that might drive some of the decisions around remote work? I think, I think on face value, it's fair, you know, positives probably outweigh the negatives on face value. Right? But I, I've given this some scrutiny because I think it's, it's something that most people in, in roles will need to really challenge themselves on before committing to what would be quite a, quite a redesign. Right, of how companies are run. Now, some, there are some barriers to this, right? If you think about legislation, um, there's legalities, right? Like a FCA regulated company like Funding Circle couldn't just go and hire somebody in, I don't know, the Middle East, right? Because that, we wouldn't be allowed to do that without uh, you know, the right setup there. And so there's a lot of cost implications to be able to just hire anywhere in the world because it's remote. You know, the huge tax and paperwork and, and there's lots of work behind the scenes. It probably doesn't work itself out right to do that so i think it would just be a more there'll need to be a strategic lens on it right you need someone who's experienced to understand the mechanisms right in hiring to be able to just say okay this is where we're going to hire as opposed to saying hey let's do remote hiring it's working so i think actually to scale that model and actually have a real working model behind that it's it's quite tough um and then then of course the other side is you have to have um a lot of trust right i'd be very interested to see if you were to, I don't know how you would measure this, Mark, but I think there'd be a way to, to understand if people are as bought in to a company mission or as bought into doing the work, right? Are they above and beyond style work, right? When it comes to working from home. So I think there's a few things that were, would be quite challenging, right? But it never mean, you know, it doesn't mean that just because it's challenging, you don't look at it. I, I think it, it will be looked at. Yeah, absolutely. I think something I've spent a lot of time thinking about as a, as a founder and, and CEO is, um, is that buy-in, you know, how do you build that buy-in when you're not in the office each day? And that was kind of, you know, my opinion previously was you needed people in the office to really build that culture, et cetera. But I think what's, um, what's been quite nice about this is it's forced more of a culture of accountability. You know, it's forced more about, you can't just show up for work and be like, I, oh, you know, I'm in the office, I'm doing my job, blah, blah, blah. It's actually like, no, you get to work on your terms. You know, nobody's there to micromanage you. If you don't want to do the job, you can sit and play Fortnite all day or whatever games people are playing these days, right? And I think that's quite interesting. I think we might see a whole new type of leadership come out of this, you know, very conscience-driven, you know, like you said, checking in on people's well-being and morale uh, before, uh, you know, the more micromanagement style, I guess, the, the management you probably experienced in your early agency days. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I think, I, I definitely think so. You know, I think if you think about the, 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 just relating it slightly back more towards the internal recruiting world, you know, that's grown so much. I think we're seeing a whole new wave of leadership anyway. And it's probably a more, uh, you know, digital first style of, you know, think about me and you, for example, 
grew up playing playstations as opposed to necessarily just playing in parks right i think you know it's, it's probably uh, uh so i think we're, we're probably a bit more um in tune with it right it'll be a more natural synergy but i think you know there'll be more tools right you'll see more tech companies producing more metrics and platforms and tools right to um, you know monitor performance and you know, what does that mean i think it'll be on companies to flex that and use that when they feel they need um i think what would be also um quite a sensitive part of all of this is uh, you know, what do you do with people who are not performing during this time where you balance their, their isolation and, and well-being with tough messages? And I think, you know, given those tough negative style messages during a time like this is, is going to be a challenge, right, for a lot of people. You may even find that, um, you know, workplaces entirely rip up the script and write new policies on performance reviews and, you know, all that side of it as well. So I think there's a lot coming. Um, but I, I think that, it, you know, in an ideal world, for me personally, hey, I would love to give people the option. You know, you can come in once a month and that could be more of a, you know, I would say social, but you, you would argue probably more of a company rundown. And, you know, and then the rest of the time you can work where you want. And I think that could be a style that, that pivots. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, you, you as a leader in a, a funding circle, nobody has led through a moment like this. And, you know, you talk about company policies being ripped up. Everyone's kind of making it up as they go along right now. Right. And yes. I think, uh, I think our approach has been to be a very human first approach, right? You've got to understand that individual, what's going on in their minds mm. um, and, and try and get that wider context. Because if you, if you just come in down hard on people and you don't understand the wider context and environment like this, mm. uh, you know, it's a challenge. So what, I guess what would be your, uh, your leadership uh, recommendations or um, yeah, guides that, that you've learned in this time to, to other, you know, heads of recruitment that have got teams to try and keep them motivated and, and, and driven in this period? I think, uh, from what I can share, um, I, I would say, you know, definitely let your teams know what your priorities are and your focus are, right? Like, I think m most good leaders, you know, during times like this will be very concerned with their team's health and well-being and uh, keeping them safe, right? And, and I think that should be a priority for most people and sharing that message is quite key. Um, I would also then say, you know, understanding commercially where your employer is going, where the company is going and sort of trying to have quite a strategic role to play in that so that you're able to, you know, commercially feed that to your team and your functions. Sort of. I think that the key thing there is uh, probably making sure that TA functions are leveraged better during times like this as opposed to sitting on the sidelines. Um, I think that's quite a mixed bag. I've seen companies sideline recruiting teams quite quickly as a cost-cutting measure. I've also seen companies similar to Funding Circle where we've taken a different approach and it's probably a more valuable use of, of our time and, and companies. So I think that would be the second thing, right? Understanding commercially where, where we sit and, and how to, to leverage your teams. Um, and I guess the other side of it is um, try to have fun, right? During this time, I think, you know, be yourselves and, and, and you know, trying to bring that team, you know, togetherness, uh, whether it's people are, are, are going crazy on quizzes or, you know, I've got this thing where I do a fake pub and it's a fake pub background and we all go to the pub. It's all a bit bizarre. And as long as you're having a bit of fun, I think that's, that's quite important as well. Um, other than that, I think just sort of, uh, those are the top three tips, I would say. I think the, I, I, if I could just add one more, Mark, it would just be to make sure that you are keeping track on, on your industry. You know, you, you are using this time to network and, and recognize what data is available, recognize what, what, where do you want to, what do you want to do, right? I think... Um, there's a real chance for leaders to separate themselves from um, 
following where the market goes or separating from that pack and sort of set, trying really to, to set the pace of where your organization is going to go when it comes to talent during a time like this? Yeah, I entirely, entirely agree with everything you said. And especially on that final point, right? We, we, um, we ran a, a two-week tech training session for, for internal recruiters because we saw instantly if, if teams are going to be furloughed or, or put on the sidelines, you know, mm. a lot of them do want to use this period to learn and, and develop new skills. Um, and I think something you touched on there, and, and I think it's always been the most impressive thing uh, that I've seen in your work over every company you've worked at is that strategic buy-in. You know, you've always managed to get... Um, the senior technical leadership team to take recruitment very seriously, which, you know, is a challenge. I think a lot of people listening to this will go, you know, we've all got those hiring managers that don't really take recruitment seriously, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So I think it would be amazing to understand what is your model? What is your framework for getting those senior, you know, tech people in an organization to actually say, no, recruitment is a strategic partner to me. It's not a back office function that, you know, we don't really respect. Yeah, I think um, when it comes to any sort of recruiting, right, and, and especially tech hiring, because I think it's its 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 own beast, but I think it depends. I think there's two sides to look at that, Mark, right? You've, you've got the big, maybe the big FTSE 100, you know, huge conglomerate companies where, you know, someone like me or you would go in there and, you know, it wouldn't matter what we necessarily individually say. That's probably a broader uh, style of working to, to get on the map there. Uh, but I think if it, to, to relate to probably the medium-sized companies, right, and, and the smaller startups and scale-ups and um, where, where tech recruiting is a make or break for their product releases, right? And it's a difference between them maybe getting the next round of VC or the next uh, geo of customer base, right? It's, it's, it, and I think f- speaking more commercially to leadership teams, so it aligns to their goals, right? If you're speaking to your CTO, they, they're not necessarily going to care about whether you hired this person or that person, it's probably more for engineering management, right? And that's their, so I think like my number one sort of passion is relating to C-suite or leadership teams on commercial aspects, right? And then translating how I'm gonna help leverage and lift their commercial goals. I think that's really important. And then, then everything else trickles down. You know, I wouldn't say if it's your first gig, go and necessarily go up to your CTO and say, hey, tell me the trade secrets, what we're, what we're doing, you know, in the next three months, what are your performance goals? But, but maybe sort of really building some trust through, through that route. And I think leadership teams, you know, are, are going to have spoken to so many recruiters over their own careers, right? So I, I wouldn't necessarily say, let's, let's, let's go for a beer and, and that's rapport done. I think rapport means trust and expertise and how are you going to take and, and join their goals? And so I spend a lot of time doing that. And um, I then build a strategy around that. And so that's the common focus. And then all of a sudden, anything to do with branding, budgets, recruiting, metrics, processes, whatever you want to call it, I think that should be a co-creation, right, to run in the same direction. Unless you get it to that stage, and that's not an overnight thing, I think that takes a long time, depending on a predecessor or if you're new or if it's you know, a new function. I think that takes a lot of time and energy. And you either got to be up for that challenge or, or you're not. And I think uh, if you do that right, and it takes a long time. I think that's how I've, tend, I've always built my strategies around that first seed that's planted. Um, and that will go a long way. Uh, I think it's, it's fascinating. And, and honestly, I, I, I've always been just blown away by your ability to do that. Because what you say sounds so simple. 
right? You say it and it sounds like, well, yeah, of course I should align to their strategic goals. That makes complete sense. But sure. I think there's, there's just a wider debate around recruitment leaders about how you get the seat at the table. And in our world, that table really means around the CTO, you know, VPs of engineering, et cetera. I appreciate in other businesses, more broad recruitment roles, that might be, you know, the C-suite, CEO, COO, et cetera. Sure. Um, so, so just digging into this a little bit deeper, right? Because I want to, I want to, I want listeners to really try and take something away from this. Because I think you know it's such a unique skill you've built in doing this. You go into an organization, you know, any organization. You've done it in three, you know, different organizations now. Sure. It takes time for sure. It takes time. How would you go about building that credibility where the CTO goes, "This isn't just another internal recruiter that's done his agency stint and then comes in and you know tells me what to do because they feel you know whatever they were the top bidder at their agency or whatever, right?" How, sure, sure. How do you build that credibility, you know, really quickly so you can start building the trust and and have that promising long term relationship? So I think everyone's got their own style, right? Like I think I think you have to remain true to your style. Um, but I, I would say, look, I, I, I do do a lot of networking within the business, right? Horizontal networking, I think, is very, very key. So if, if you start building deep relationships with people that matter to leadership teams, right, to allow you to form a whole view as opposed to just your own experience view, maybe working at a previous company before or an agency before, because they, all of that information is out there, right? They've worked with more recruiters probably than you have done jobs, right? So I, I think networking horizontally is very, very important. Um, spending time with areas of the business and it takes a lot of energy but spending lots of time with areas of the business that you don't immediately think of as, as, as going to be the success of filling roles right so finance spending so much time with finance legal marketing brand you know all, all these areas right so that when you do get the, the time the window frame with leadership teams your view is so credible and it's so up to speed with your own company right it's so um, holistic that you find yourself becoming a, a real advisor as opposed to saying, okay, I've had five recs, this is the running attrition rate, I'm going to fill four recs, and therefore I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. I think that, you know, and, and so I think that's a bit more of an advisory strategic role, right? The, the other side of it is, you know, I think bringing some science to your recruiting when it comes to speaking to people. So how are you all tracking, right? And is, is finance tracking hiring the same way recruiting is tracking hiring? And so therefore, when I forecast my hiring, I don't look stupid. Right? Do, do, is my forecasting and their forecasting, do we look right? And I think that's also important so you've got credibility. And, I, and the only other thing I would say, I guess, is um, make sure you're bringing your A game, right? And, 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 and turn up. You know, I think all of us are quite fortunate to, to be in some pretty amazing company brands these days, right? If you think back 10 years ago working for an agency, you wouldn't have imagined, you know, you would have thought you, you're going to just be a top biller and great money, which is great. But not necessarily working for some, some top 10 companies of, of the world. So always bring your A game, bring your passion, bring your expertise, but turn that into more of an advisory role. Um, that, that's what I would say. And uh, I guess if you're anybody who's um, managing your team, I would just say, you know, the best thing you can do to represent your team efforts is build some capacity modeling, you know, bring some, um, some real grout to, to what you, how you're representing their work to leadership teams. Right? as opposed to saying, my team's the best, we're going to fill all your roles by the end of the year, and that's done. Because you know what? It probably won't happen like that. And things will change every day. So represent your teams through data and bring your A game, and that's when it comes to your personal style. You combine those couple of things together, and I think you are a lot more of an incredible position as opposed to coming in, like you said, Mark, uh, I've done 100 grand of billing a week 
at S3 and I'm going to fill all of your roles. But you know, they don't, it's not what they're actually looking for in a leadership role, right, for, for recruiting. So that, that's my advice. I've probably rambled on a bit there, but that's some of the things that come to mind, I guess. No, it's, it's amazing, Jack. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's moving from that transactional, you know, you've got 10 recs to fill, you know, you know, you're looking at the basic metrics, cost per time to whatever, to more of that strategic understanding of the business, I think is something that, you know, a lot of recruitment leaders can take a lot from. And, and you talked about there, you know, how the internal recruitment world has really evolved over the last decades, you know, where it was in 2010 compared to where it is now is, is quite amazing. Are CTOs, heads of engineering, are they now very used to working with internal recruitment worlds and, 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 and heads of, and, and they're used to, you know, you doing direct sourcing, um, using various different channels, obviously plugging HackerJob, um, or, or do you still have that battle where they've got their favorite agency recruiters that they've worked with for five years and they want to stay loyal to them? How much of that do you have to educate them on? I think that is the um, greatest challenge, right, that... Um, internal functions have uh, i would still say a majority of the of the industry you know i, I think everyone will have relationships with agencies and, and other areas right where uh, and, and, I, and i think you know i can only give you an example right of, of a time i thought they won't mind me sharing this when i was at compare the market and i remember specifically i was working with the site lead uh, great guy john mullen and i was working with him and we we had this task to scale out this engineering hub and i made this this uh, in hindsight probably wasn't, didn't feel, it felt like an error at the time, you know, but in hindsight, it's probably the best thing I could have done. And um, I sent out this message to the engineering teams, basically saying, hey guys, I'm new, but we're turning off the tap on agencies. And, and I gave them all this great sort of email as to why and blah, blah, blah. Little did I know the backlash I would have got, you know, it was my week one, right? And all, all these, it's really interesting, right? The reaction was, oh my God, why are you doing this? You're turning off agencies and they've done this for us and that for us and this, you know, all this sort of great stuff. It's, it's interesting if you pivot, right, and you say, well, okay, let's look at engineering, right? What if we just start outsourcing half of the engineering teams to a consultancy? I'm just going to do that. But, but you are the engineering teams, but I'm the recruiter, but I'm going to do that. It's like, it's, like, it's like you as the engineering team are telling the recruiter what we're going to do with recruiting, right? And I think it's find that common ground and example sharing and a bit of, you know, a bit of challenging conversations, which, which I think some people I love or something we don't like doing. Um, but I think get, getting you're going to learn from these scenarios, right? And, and I think it is still, still a bit of a challenge. I think you, if you are going to say to your, your companies, hey, we're going to turn off agencies, at least have a reason or a strategy as to why. It can't just be to, uh, for your ego, right? It needs to be a strategic or a value add to their shared goals with you, right? So whether it's using HackerJob or whether it's headhunting or LinkedIn or maybe you're going to build the world's best referral scheme, I don't know, yeah? But at least have a reason as to why. It can't just be about yourself. Um, I, I think that's the key thing. And, and I love it because it builds on exactly what you're talking about, the engineering leadership, right? It's seeing things from their lens, not just your lens. But, but I love that analogy of saying, all right, guys, I'm the head of recruitment. I've come in here. You're not doing any dev work anymore. We're outsourcing it, right? <laughs> like just the back I should get from doing that. And they're like, yeah, well, that's what you're telling me when you tell me, you know, you're telling me how to do my job. The reason I'm here is to, to, to bring value in and, and uh, and to add, to add value, I love it. And, and like I said, I really think that is one of your unique gifts in the internal world. I've, I've always been so impressed about how you get that buy-in at top to bottom. So, so props to you on that. Um, switching gears slightly, I know, um, I know you're also a huge fan of the London, the London tech sector. 
Um, big fan of the fintech sector. Um, I, I think it's worthwhile just talking about, because I, I don't think we've seen too many of these collaborations yet, but uh, in the news recently, Funding Circle partnered with, I believe, Starling Bank to um, to support the, the COVID-19 crisis, which is an amazing collaboration between two of the you know, um, standout success stories, really, of the London startup community. Talk us through that and, you know, the, the, your take on fintechs doing more of that partnership work together. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great example of, of potential, yeah, of, of the tech scene. I think London, as, and I, I shouldn't just say London, right, the UK, right, but, but if, being a Londoner, I guess, um, the, the, it's really grown rapidly, yeah, and I think um, if, if you compare us now on a global stage, Pre-COVID, you know, we were having the same level of venture capitalist investment into tech, similar to San Francisco, Beijing. You know, we, we were rivaling some pretty key global players, right? And so we've now taken a global stage as opposed to more of a, a European lead stage, but it's more of a global stage, I think. And so I think there's so much opportunity. There's so many companies that have grown through the ranks now. Um, you know, Starling is a great company and same for Funding Circle. Uh, you've got your Monzos, your Tide Banking. You've got so many great players out there that are trying to tap into what I think the gaps in the market are. But more importantly, the areas where consumers, like small businesses, have been sort of not the focus, right? And so if we just think about that for a second, during a pandemic, more nimble and more sophisticated sort of technology platforms are in prime position to do partnerships. It's something I've always wondered why, why did it take a pandemic for these partnerships to happen, right? And I know there's an element of competition and market share and all that sort of stuff, right? Um, that will leave to the, the CEOs to work out. But I think, I think there's such, a, such a, a key opportunity here. And I think um, Funding Circle, right, is, 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 is you know, is such a, 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 an inspirational company, right, when it comes to small businesses and SMEs in the sector, who are usually the areas who unfortunately are not included in some big schemes or are often left behind when it comes to the finances, right? And I just think that now more than ever, companies, especially tech companies and fintechs, have got a, have a role to play. It doesn't mean if you're a startup or it doesn't, it not, doesn't necessarily mean if you're a more established fintech. I just think you've got the talent and you've got the uh, vision to disrupt and bring that to, to the table during this time, especially during when COVID-19 sort of dies out and goes back to sort of normal. I think there's a real race to maintain that sort of partnerships across the city. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, um, in a crisis like this, speed is so important. And, you know, you saw a lot of the, the big banks come under fire for their, you know, maybe slow reaction to, to the C-bill scheme, et cetera, which I believe now Funding Circle is, you know, one of the, one of the providers of, which is amazing to see. Um, you know, that speed is such a core competitive advantage. Yeah. especially it's exaggerated in a moment like this where I don't know what the saying was something like you know there were years go by where it just feels like days have happened and then there are days that go by where it feels like years have happened and it absolutely feels like we're in that moment at the moment sure. uh, do, do you, this is a bit of a crazy question a bit of a crazy idea um do you see that collaboration could that collaboration partner um from a recruitment angle so crazy idea right and I I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe Nationwide have done something similar down in the Southwest uh, with some of the local um, tech businesses down there. That could you, could you run a scheme, I don't know, Funding Circle, Starling Bank, partner on a, a hiring program where you, you hire engineers and they do 12 months at Funding Circle and then 12 months at Starling Bank or vice versa. 
the idea being you get to knowledge share about how different fintechs are sh- trying to solve maybe similar problems. Is that a ludicrous idea? Could that never work? <laughs> Could we see partnerships in the recruitment world in these companies? I think, I, you know, it's a fascinating concept. Yeah. I, I, you know, as some, I think it's, uh, if you think of it from the candidate gen, it kind of lends, right? Probably, in a, probably sounds really amazing, right? A bit like a rotation program just outside of your company. Uh, so I think, I think that, that does sound great. And, you know, Hats off to Nationwide. I actually admire Nationwide a lot. I, I watch what they do and, and how they're growing in the digital sector more and more. So, so I think it's great that they're doing that. I think, um, is it a concept? I mean, it's an exciting concept. Is it a concept I see lifting? I hate to be the spoiler alert. I, I don't know if it will propel in, 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 in many areas, right? Because you're going to have um, competition issues you're going to have uh, customer data sort of limitations, I guess. Like, let's, let's use funding circle, right? Are we going to put our software engineers who've got so much knowledge, once they've built that knowledge up at us, to go on to, I don't know, another competitor and, and take our knowledge and our investment into them and our customer insights and, hey, go now build our competitor's product to be better than ours. You're going to have that element of, uh, you know, cyn- cynical view, right? And, and so... I think that's a real view, right? But I think the concept is great. And I think, you know, Mark, if you think about how, you know, platforms like HackerJob and how other ways of sourcing and hiring is going, the markets move quite fast. Even remote interviewing, I think, will put a speed up of people moving between jobs because there's more time to look at other jobs and interview. And I think all of those things will naturally groom the market to almost start moving around like that even more than before. So I actually think we're going to have to watch the space. I think things will become more competitive, whether you put a program like that in or not. Um, so I think companies should prepare for it. Um, but I, I am slightly sceptical, but I will be watching Nationwide from, from afar, seeing how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I hear your scepticism. Um, but I think you're right on the remote interviewing piece. We've definitely seen it. Um, you know, if you're an engineer sat at home, well, why not dip your toe in the market and see what's out there? You don't need to, you know, scurry off to an, uh, an off, uh, a meeting room to, to take a call, etc. You know, and also the other thing we've really seen is the responsiveness of candidates has skyrocketed. You know, we've always prided ourselves on, on engaged talent. But now, you know, you go onto the system, you know, request 10 interviews today and all booked in for tomorrow because you can just turn, turn your Slack off for half an hour, take a call, and, and, you know, you can see what else is out there. So I think it's... Look, there's going to be long-standing impact um, from this period, and, and it'll be fascinating to see to see what it is. There are a couple of things actually of, uh, that are interesting, and, and I don't know if Hackerjob have seen this, but if, if one thing I there's probably two things right that I've immediately noticed: companies who don't necessarily have the stand, the most well-known brand, right, or haven't developed, they're, they're still developing. Um, they probably now have gotten access to talent, world-class talent, right, that they would have never had before. Right, and I, and I don't mean to sound uh, snobby or anything like that right but i think that's a reality that people must tap into during a time like this and think forward about hiring the the other side is i think my experience has been you know if you think about a hiring platform right which you you obviously know one right so the types of people who sign up to those are very relevant candidates whereas if i'm posting a job the ad response looks inflated Right. I've, I posted a role recently and had like 60% uptake in the type of applicant numbers I'm used to seeing. But actually the candidate quality was, if I'm honest, it had dropped, to be honest, because the world is in this state of panic of unemployment in some areas. And so they're applying for anything and everything they can, rightly so. But I think 
it's just interesting, isn't it, to track these, these real-time insights in, in our world. Uh, so I think sometimes, yeah, make use of the talent, the world-class talent that you might find available, but also have a real sort of sharp eye on what sourcing tools your teams are using, right? If, if, if you've got 100 applicants for what was the most niche role you've ever hired for before, you probably want to scrutinize the quality and then sort of think, are you moving with the times in terms of your sourcing strategies? Absolutely. We're moving from a, from a talent scarce market, you know, where that balance is going to shift slightly. And, and it's been really interesting to see a couple of different companies approach. You know, mm. I was chatting with um, uh, head of recruitment over at Bet365 last week. Um, brilliant, brilliant guy. Very, very knowledgeable. And he said, you know, we've just used this as a time to double down and hire even more great people because actually there's a lot less competition in the market. You know, a lot of people have paused hiring and there's a lot of great talent that never would have, you know, been on the market previously, but for now, whatever reason, no fault of their own are. So that relevancy becomes even more important, right? Do you want your internal recruiter sifting for a hundred applications to find one or two gold mines? Or do you want to, you know, use any of the various sourcing tools out there platforms where they can go, right, in half an hour, I've added 10 great candidates to my pipeline. I can now go and do some of the more proactive sourcing. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone always loves talking about the, the GitHub sourcing or what everyone loves doing, except, you know, you've got, you've got time to go and do those things. So, you know, we're going we're gonna to see changes to the, the balance in the marketplace for a long time because of this. And a lot of the really prominent VCs um, in the US and in Europe are talking about this, that actually you might just see an explosion in recruitment tech over the next five years because it's now going to become a core societal issue that you've got unemployment we've not seen maybe ever. Yes. So, you know, how do we get those people back into work and how do we support companies in a really time effective way? Again, mm. speed, right? Always comes down to speed. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head. So it's an exciting time, right? We'll have to, we'll have to see what happens. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So before I let you go, Jack, uh, and you've been a great sport so far, so it's so a big thank you. But um, we've got a bit of fun. You know, because like you said, it's important that we have a bit of fun right now. So we've got a this or that game. Um, okay. I'm going to give you two options uh, and they're all kind of, you know, COVID-19 work from home related. So okay. I'm going to give you two options and I need a quick fire response. Which one are you? Okay, sounds good. Makes sense? Yes, makes sense. And if this is a disaster, we'll just edit this part out. So <laughs> that's fine. Uh, okay. Cool. Right. Here we go. First one. Full tracksuit or t-shirt and jeans? T-shirt and jeans. Good English fry up or a slice of toast? Slice of toast. Tea or coffee? Coffee all day. Tiger King or normal people? It's got to be Tiger King, Mark. <laughs> Running laps or lounging around? Lounging around. <laughs> chocolate or crisps? Ooh, can't say both. So I guess chocolate. Chocolate. And then final one, watch TV or play video games? TV. TV. That, that was quite good. I quite like that. <laughs> yeah. Nice one. Uh, Jack, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Um, if people want to connect further with you, pick your brain further, where, where's the best place for them to go? Just hit me up on uh, LinkedIn. It's probably the, the, the best place. Uh, search me up on LinkedIn and uh, I'll be happy to connect. Amazing. And we'll, we'll link to Jatinda's LinkedIn in the show notes as well. So you guys can go directly there. But thank you for listening. My name was Mark. That was a tech recruitment show and we will see you next time. Thanks a lot, Mark. See ya.